my name is Emmanuel. It means God is with us in the Bible. And knowing God is with you every day.
Good morning, Village family. Good morning, good morning. If you're not yet in the sanctuary, please make your way to your seat. We are about to get started. Right. Good morning and welcome to the Village Church, where our mission is to know Jesus, to enjoy Jesus, and to glorify Jesus. Our vision is broken people coming together to embrace and extend Jesus' love. Family, we are now using Linktree. This allows us to connect all of our online information about our church, the giving of tithes and offerings, along with our social media platforms, all in one convenient place. When you scan the QR code located in the worship guide, um, with your phone's camera, you get a short link. When clicked, navigates to a web page with a, a list of every link that you would need concerning the church. Guests, if this is your first time um, visiting the Village Church, we want to extend you a warm welcome and ask you to scan that QR code and fill out the uh, first-time guest information. At the Village Church, we believe that the giving of tithes and offering is an act of worship, and you may give to the vision and mission of the church um, online. Or you may mail a check to our address, which is 2103 Virginia Boulevard, uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Um, or after the service, you may drop off your offering in the designated area in the back of the sanctuary. Today, we will celebrate communion during our worship service. And afterwards, the Teague Village Group will meet in the church house. Also, save the date, TVC Women's Ministry will be hosting a fall mini retreat on October the 15th from 3 to 7 p.m. I look forward to a time of personal reflection, food, and fellowship. Also, SEC begins October 16th. Uh, These Sunday equipping classes, or SEC, consist of first steps for our nursery age, village kids, youth, and a sermon discussion for for adults. And afterwards, the Teak Village Group will meet in the church house. Um, Pastor Appreciation Sunday, Um, because of public school fall break, TVC is changing the date of our Pastor Appreciation Sunday to October 23rd. An email will be sent with more information, so be on the lookout for that. And also from September 30th to October 30th, our our youth are on a mission to collect food items for our ministry partner, HAP, Huntsville Assistance Program. Their goal is to collect 125 items. Uh, there's a list of food needed at um, the drop-off box in the church lobby. And also, mark your, tre- uh, mark your calendar for Trunk or Treat, which is Sunday, October 30th, uh, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m., right here at the church. And be sure to uh, check out Flock Note for more details. These are your announcements. Please govern yourselves accordingly. stand and join us as we begin our time of worship with the song that we all know.
worship this morning comes from Psalm 147. I'll read the part that says leader and you all follow along with the part that says people. Praise the Lord for it is good to sing praises to our God for it is pleasant and a song of praise is fitting. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Amen. Now let's go to our song of praise, which is Be Glorified. You guys know this one too, right? It's all right to clap your hands. Come on and clap with us. Everybody say 
Let's go to the Lord in a time of silence and prayer. God, as we come into this place, we know we're entering into hallowed ground. We're entering into your very presence, into the Holy of Holies, 
And the entrance to that place was paid a dear price. The blood and the body of Christ. And we praise you, Father, that you've called us. That you've brought us across, as we sang earlier. So that you can be glorified. Father, your word says that if we don't praise you, the stones will cry out in praise of you. And so we come here humbly, knowing all that you have done for us and in us and through us. We praise you. Father, there's no place we can go to be separated from you, from the highest mountain to the deepest part of the ocean. You are there. You enclose us behind and before. Your right hand is on us. Father, help us to not come in our own self-righteousness but to come as people who have been imputed with the righteousness of Christ. Bend your ear toward us, O Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Our confession of faith comes from the Westminster Shorter Catechism, question 16. I'll ask the question, and then uh, we can all answer together. Did all mankind fall in Adam's first disobedience? Since the covenant of life was made with Adam for his descendants as well as for himself, all mankind descending from him in the ordinary manner sinned and fell with him in the first transgression. If you are able, please stand and listen for the Word of God. Our scripture today comes from Hosea chapter 2, verses 9 through 23. Therefore, I will take back my grain at harvest time and my new wine in its season. I will also take away my wool and my flax given to cover her nakedness and then I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers and no one will rescue her out of my hand I'll also put an end to all her gaiety, her feast her new moons, her sabbaths and all her festal assemblies I will destroy her vines and fig trees of which she said these are my wages which my lovers have given me And I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field will devour them. I will punish her for the days of the balls, when she used to offer sacrifices to them, and adorn herself with her earrings and jewelry, and follow her lovers, so that she forgot me, declares the Lord. 
Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak kindly to her. Then I will give her vineyards from there and the valley of Achor as a door of hope. And she will sing there as in the days of her youth, as in the days when she came up from the land of Egypt. It will come about in that day, declares the Lord, that you will call me Ishi and will no longer call me Bali. For I will remove the names of the Baals from her mouth so that they will be mentioned by their names no more. In that day, I will also make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the birds of the sky, and the creeping things of the ground. And I will abolish the bow, the bow, the sword, and war from land, and will make them lie down in safety. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice, in loving kindness and in compassion. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness. Then you will know the Lord. It will come about in that day that I will respond, declares the Lord. I will respond to the heavens and they will respond to the earth. And the earth will respond to the grain and to the new wine and to the oil. And they will respond to Jezreel. I will sow for her myself in the land. I will also have compassion on her who had not obtained compassion. And I will say to those who were not my people, you are my people. And they will say, you are my God. The word of the Lord. This song that we all know, amen. Ben, this one's for you, buddy.
Chris? Is he here? This next Sunday. Next Sunday, okay. In that case, let us pray. Father God, we come to you humbly once again as like-minded believers, thankful for the opportunity to gather together here at the feet of our Savior, who is worthy of our worship and our glory and the adoration and all the praise. Father, let us not forget that you are our God and that we are your people. And Father, everything that we need, we can find right here with you. Father, help us to set our minds and to set our hopes squarely on you and on you alone. And in all things, let us find less of ourselves and more of you, our good, good Father. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, TVC Saints. Good. I had a scare last night, so I almost didn't make it this morning. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan, so some of you got that joke. So if you have your Bible, please um, open it to Hosea chapter 2. Hosea chapter 2. Imagine for a moment you're supporting the, the dream of someone you love. Someone that you adore. Someone that you are in a really, really close, intimate relationship with. And you're helping that person with your time and your talents and your dreams and your treasures and your prayers. You're you're that person's number one cheerleader. You're in their corner through the thick and thin. You've been by that person's side since the beginning of the dream. And when that dream finally comes true, the the person you you love begins to weep all of these wonderful benefits from all that hard labor and work. That person may even get, you know, recognized nationally because this dream has come true. And then this person you love starts giving honor and and praise to, to those who helped that dream come true. But your name never is mentioned. How would that make you feel? Now we know how our Heavenly Father feels when we give his flowers to to idols, when we give his honor, his glory, and credit to the gods of American culture. If y'all can remember, we ended last week's sermon with that above illustration and point. We ended last week's sermon with the Lord God and Israel in divorce court. We ended last week's sermon with the Lord God in heartache because of Israel's idolatry. We ended last week's sermon with the Lord God preparing to discipline his covenant people with a broken heart. And now today's sermon is going to pick up where we left off last week with the Lord God still experiencing heartache, with him detailing the the consequences Israel is getting ready to experience. And and these consequences are are part of his his discipline. And and if you can remember, the big idea from last week's sermon is that God's discipline is corrective and restorative. Amen? 
It is corrective and restorative. God corrects his people and he also restores his people. Please pray with and for me. Holy Spirit, as we come to the preaching of the word, nothing is going to happen if you don't move. Nothing is going to happen in my heart, in my mind, in my life if you don't move. Nothing is going to happen in the lives and hearts and minds of those who are here or may, even those who may be watching online. Like Nothing is going to happen if you don't move, if you don't take the word and apply it to our life. Like We cannot do that. I don't care how long we've been Christians. I don't care how much scripture we have memorized. If you don't work it in us, then it falls on dead hearts. Holy Spirit, we need you. Holy Spirit, we, we desperately need you to feel your presence, to know your presence, to, 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 to submit ourselves to, to, your, to your leading and your guiding and your conviction. So Holy Spirit, will you please have mercy? Will you please move? And will you please let each of us receive from, from this message that the things that we need to receive. And I pray for all of this in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. In the ninth century, in ninth, in the ninth century BC, King Ahab and King Jeze, Queen Jezebel of Israel introduces the northern kingdom to, to the physician to the physician God, Phoenician God, um, Baal. It's a cult god. And, and this, you need, the king and queen are the ones who lead the northern kingdom into idolatry. Now, who is Baal? Baal is a god of fertility and weather. The deity, this deity is known as Prince, Lord of the earth, Lord of rain and dew, Lord of heavens, and, and king of all the other gods. He is even described as, as the storm god who rides on the clouds. You see, the worship of Baal is in opposition to the official worship of Yahweh in Israel. And this is recorded in, in 1 Kings 18. So if you don't believe me, go read 1 Kings 18, and it'll tell you all of that. And now by the time of Hosea, in the 8th century, Baal worship is firmly rooted in the northern kingdom's culture. It's firmly rooted in it. This false deity has, has even replaced Yahweh Elohim as the God of Israel. You see, when you see, when you understand that, you can see why God compares himself in the, as a husband and, and, and as a husband who has been cheated on by his unfaithful wife. That's what the whole book of Hosea is about. And so God is the one who has been abandoned. He is the one who has been forsaken. He is the one who has been forgotten. He's the faithful husband. And Israel is the unfaithful wife. And as we saw last week, they're in divorce court. And the Lord is there pleading with Israel to put away her idolatry, to put away her ball worship. But she refuses to do so. She doesn't see the, the error of their ways. And let me put it this way. Ball worship is a socially acceptable sin in Israel at this point. And we, like America, we have socially acceptable sins. And that's what's happened in Israel. 
It's the flavor of the week. It's what's trending in, in Israel. Everyone is doing it. And that makes it okay, right, if everyone's doing it. Chapter 2. Oh. <laughs> no, it doesn't make it okay. According to one pastor, vow worship is all about using rituals to control the forces of nature and to get what you want. Israel is using this false deity to get what they want. And when they get it, they worship and honor and praise Baal for all their blessings. They're even giving thanks to this God for all their prosperity, all their power, all their privileges. And as, and as I said in the first two sermons, at this point in the northern kingdom, they are at the height of their prosperity. Everything's great when Hosea is sent to Israel. They're not suffering. The kingdom is flourishing. They are wealthy. Everything's good. But on the surface, it's good. But underneath, in the eyes of Yahweh Elohim, it is not good. You know, Yahweh Elohim, has, he has had enough. He's, he's tired, and tired of hearing his people saying praises to another God. And he has reached his limit with his people doing what they say in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me. And this is Israel. This is what he says of Israel. Israel is saying, we will go after our bells who give us our bread and our water and our wool and our flax and our oil and our drink. We will go after these gods. We will go after them. But here's the thing, saints. Those blessings are not from that God's hand. They're from Yahweh's hands. That's an amen statement. How have we misplaced our worship? Who are we giving thanks to that really isn't our true God as Christians in America? Look at verse 8. The Lord says, Israel doesn't know that it was I who gives her the grain, the wine, the oil, who has lavished her with silver and gold, which they use for Baal. Or Baal, however you pronounce it, Baal. Do you hear the Lord's heartache? Yeah. Can you see the, hear the heartache? His covenant people who are called by his name are using his covenant blessings to worship a false god. They're, they're living in idolatry without the sense of conviction. And they refuse to listen to Hosea. And, and Israel won't repent. They, they won't confess. They have hard and stubborn hearts at this point in their history. And sometimes that's what prosperity can do to you. It can make you blind. I met with my counselor this week, and during our time together, she, she shared with me three parental discipline choices that she read from a, and that she got from a, parent, a parenting book. And I wrote each of these uh, discipline choices down. She says, first, parents can let whatever their kids did go. They can say, you know what, that's not a big deal. Not going to die on that hill, so I'm going to let it go. The parents here are learning to pick their battles with their kids. Second, parents won't let go of whatever their kids did. Like, we're not going to allow this. Like, this is a hill that we're going to die on. We're not going to allow you to keep doing something. And third, parents and the kids can compromise and work together on a solution. Here the parents may feel that the kids are making some valid points 
about something. And the parents decide, well, let's work together and come up with a solution together as a team. Now, which of the three is the Lord God going to use with Israel here? One, two, or three. It's a congregation participation. Which one? Two. Two. He's not going to allow the people that he loves to continue to live in idolatry. It would be unloving for him to do so. And the same is true for us. It is love when he snatches away our idols. It is love when he crushes them. Now, when he does so, it will hurt. But it's love. Look at, look at what he's, look with me at verse 13. Listen to these words spoken by our faithful God to his unfaithful people. He says, I will punish Israel for the feast, uh, the feast days of vows when she burned offerings to them and adorned herself with her rings and jewelry and went after her lovers. And listen to what it says here, and forgot me. And forgot me. I hope if you've ever done a deep dive in the book of Hosea, definitely chapter 2, that there's a running theme there of God feeling forgotten and abandoned by his people. Because you can, you can miss that if you focus so much on the consequences and so much on the discipline that you forget he does, he disciplines them with a broken heart. He disciplines them with a heartache. Again, do y'all hear the heartache? The punishment in verse 13 is discipline. And, and remember, discipline is both corrective and restorative even though it won't always feel good. So first he tells Israel, all the covenant blessings that they are enjoying, they actually belong to him, not to them and not to their false God. He's going to strip all those blessings away. This means Israel themselves are going to experience some real poverty. They're going to experience some real felt needs. Look at verse 9. And look at the pronouns that he uses. He says, therefore, I will take back my grain in this time. Notice he doesn't say their grain. I'm going to take back my grain in time, my wine in its season. And I will take away my wool and my flax, which was used to cover their nakedness. That's corrective. He's showing them all those privileges, all those covenant blessings, those are mine. And he said the same to you. All the things that you enjoy about your life, all your stuff is his. Your clothes is his. Your shoes are his. Your food is his. Your house is his. Your car is his. Everything you think you own actually belongs to Yahweh Elohim. That's an amen statement. All of it. Everything that you're enjoying, he says, mine. It is mine. Second, Yahweh Elohim is going to strip away Israel's dependency on Baal. He is going to break up her love affair with this false god. And the relationship that was once delightful is going to become shame. And, and this God won't be able to, to, to save the relationship. And, and, and this God won't even be able to prevent Israel from experiencing the Lord's discipline. Like the false god is not coming to save you. Look at verse 10. The Lord says, Now I will uncover her lewdness in the sight of her lovers, and no one 
shall rescue Israel out of my hand. No one will. So eventually, as Christians in America, and as I said last week, we do worship the gods of American culture. We do. And eventually, God comes and he starts stripping those things away from us. And it does hurt. But it's for our good. It's for our growth. It's for our sanctification. And so if you're saying, well, I don't worship any of these gods of American culture, we do. And if you don't know what they are, go back and listen to last week's sermon. I'll list a whole bunch of them. Third, the Lord God is going to put an end to Israel's parties and religious gatherings because those things are used to worship this false god. You see, these feasts, and if you, again, if you ever do a deep dive in, into Old Testament history, uh, you know, Israel have all these feasts and all these religious gatherings that, 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 were, that are from the lower God for their spiritual well-being. But by this time in the 8th century, all those feasts and festivals are being used for pagan worship. Look at verse 11. And I will put an end to all her feasts and her moons and her Sabbaths and all her appointed feasts. Because they are abusing something that was meant for Yahweh, something that was meant for the benefit of the covenant community. They have now abused it to the point where God is not going to do away with all of it. I know you listen to this like, man, this sounds harsh. But this is discipline. And it never feels good. And I know some of us are like, well, where's the grace? Discipline is grace. It's part of it. Fourth, the Lord will cause the lands to stop producing for Israel. So remember, you know, Baal is a god of fertility. So that means if the land is producing, guess, who's Israel gonna, guess who Israel is going to thank? Who are they going to get the praise to? This God. So God is saying the land's fertility is going to end. Look at verse 12. He says, I will lay waste her vines and her fig trees, of which she said, these are the wages of my lovers. These are the wages my lover has given to me. And I will make them a forest, and the beasts of the field shall devour them. That is, the fig trees and the vines. And lastly, Yahweh Elohim is going to show Israel that Baal isn't a god at all. He's a fraud. And his fraud is going to be revealed. For he has no real power, no real authority. He isn't a god of fertility and weather. He isn't a prince. He isn't lord of the earth. He isn't lord of rain and dew. He isn't lord of heaven. He isn't the king of gods. And TBC Saints, the same is going to be true of, of the gods of, 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 of American culture that all of us worship and honor and praise. They are all frauds. They're poor kings. They're poor gods. Because there's only one true God. And he does not run around with a red, white, and blue flag. His name is Yahweh Elohim. And he does not share his glory with anyone, with any group of people, with any nation, with any church, with any denomination. It is his glory alone. Man, I need to hear some more amens. Thank you. Listen to what Jeremiah says. Yahweh is the true God. He's the living God and everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth quakes 
and the nations cannot endure his indignation. The gods who did not make the heavens and the earth shall perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is Yahweh who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. Those are, are all amens. This is Yahweh saying, this is what I've done. This is Yahweh saying, you want a resume of what I do? Then this is it. This is it. It goes on to say, when Yahweh utters his voice, there is a war, war in the waters of the heavens, like a lion's voice. And he makes the mist from the, from the, he makes the mist rise from the earth and makes lightning from the rain and bring forth the wind from his storehouses. And Yahweh is saying to us in Israel, y'all are going to learn to put some respect on my name. Y'all are going to learn to put some respect on my name. All of us. So when we look at our life, we say, well, I don't really have a statue. I don't really have a, a, a golden figure that, that I worship. It's so easy because of, now I love being a Christian. But you know what I love more? Being a Christian in America. Why, Pastor? Because it's easy. I'm not suffering. I'm not persecuted for my faith. I can come up here, preach freely. I can go to my favorite coffee shops and have my Bible out and have my quiet time and write my sermons. Free of not even having to worry about someone coming up, taking my life. You know, and, and, and for me, that I should repent of that because... Do I really enjoy Jesus or do I really enjoy him because of the conference I have, because of where I live? And that then requires us to do a deep dive and check it out. Who is it that we really worship? Who is it that we really love? Because I wonder if I, if I ever experience real persecution and real suffering, will I remain faithful? And to be honest with you, if the Holy Spirit isn't really working in my heart, I won't. And neither was. If the Holy Spirit is not moving now. Sometimes, I know for me, I can't speak for all of you. Sometimes it takes the Lord to discipline me to get my attention and to correct my waywardness. Because idolatry isn't just something, it isn't just bad stuff. It's the good stuff. Like my family can become an idol. Your relationships have become an idol. It's, 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 the, it's the covenant blessings that when you begin to worship the blessings and not the one who gives you the blessings. And so we, and so it, it, we, our hearts, as, as Calvin says, are is an idol factory. Like it just produces them out of anything. I often tell myself, if I can, if 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 a piece of grass can give me something, I'll worship it. I will. If I can get something from it, I'll worship it. We all can. Eventually, I believe, and he may be already doing this in some of your lives, is, is stripping away our American idols. Stripping them away. And sometimes it takes us spending a season in the valley 
and the wilderness for that to happen. And for Israel, if you know Old Testament history, it's going to take them going into exile to get their attention and to correct their waywardness. Now, please keep in mind that all this discipline talk here has yet to take place. It hasn't even happened yet. Hosea prophesies to Israel about what's coming in the future. He only announces the coming judgment and discipline. Think about this, saints. Hosea ministry covers 50 years from 1760 to 710 B.C. This means he ministers in the northern kingdom all the way up to the kingdom going into exile in 722 B.C. You see, it seems like Hosea warns Israel of God's coming discipline for like 30 years. 30 years. He sends Hosea to warn his covenant people 30 years in advance. Like, I'm giving, I'm giving y'all 30 years to repent. You talk about patience. Again, this stuff didn't happen the next day. He given, he's giving them advance notice. And we get advance notice, too. It's called God's word. So what do y'all think about God's actions here? Honestly. 30 years in advance, he sends a prophet to announce this is what's going to happen if I don't change your ways. 30 years. That's mercy. That's kindness. That's patience. That's long-suffering. That's faithfulness. That's love. A love that, went, a love that wants to make them whole. But yet, Israel refuses to let God love them that way. They they refuse to confess and repent for 30 years. And in 722 B.C., their chickens come home to roost. That's when the 10 of the 12 tribes of Israel are going to be lost to history. And it's going to feel like Yahweh the Elohim is forsaken them. It's going to feel like he is finally done with the northern kingdom. It's going to feel like He's divorcing them, but he's not. It's just a temporary separation. You see, he gives them a third, therefore, in, in Hosea chapter 2. And so all of his judgments and disciplines are all starts with the word therefore in this chapter. And so the third, therefore, is similar to the ones that before it in verse 6 and 9. It, it, it also announces something that's going to happen in the future. However, it's also different from the other two. The third, therefore... It's not about correction, it's about restoration. It's all about God's divine mercy to Israel. You see, he uses Old Testament language. He uses language that that takes them all the way back to the time of Moses, to the wilderness days in the book of Exodus. You see, the Lord God will pursue them with a love that makes them whole, even in the midst of of discipline. Look at verse 14. The Lord says, Therefore... Behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness, and speak tenderly to her. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, Israel. I will bring Israel into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to Israel. Do y'all sense what those words mean? 
It's restorative. He's going to forgive his people. He's going to reclaim his people. Again, he says, I will allure her. I will bring her into the wilderness. I will speak tenderly to her. What images come to mind when you hear that about God? What images come to mind? Is it someone who's distant? Is it someone who is done? Or is it someone who is still in love? He said, I'm not done yet. These words is a picture of reconciliation between God and his people. One author says, out of disaster and exile, the Lord plans to create a fruitful new era in which the exodus has promised to bring in. All that has been lost in judgment can be restored in mercy. That's an amen statement. All that has been lost in judgment can be restored in mercy. Look at verse 15. And there I will give her her vengeance and make the valley of Acor a door of hope. And there she will answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. The valley of Acor is a valley of trouble. That's what that means. And, and, and so what's happening here? The valley of trouble comes from Joshua 7. That's when Achan is punished for his sin against the Lord God. He dies because of idolatry. And so he died. And when he is punished for his sin, God's judgment on the nation turns aside. So this promise here is a future promise that should point us and Israel to Jesus, God's own son. Jesus dies in the valley of trouble, not for his sins, but for ours. Okay. Jesus transforms the valley of trouble into a door of hope. He does that. So God is saying, you're going to go into exile, but eventually I'm going to bring you back out of it. That's what he's saying to his people. Yes, I'm going to discipline you, but I'm not going to ever completely abandon you. That's love. That is love for us. And so that means that if you are God's people and, and whenever you're going through hard times, you will go through hard times. You, you will experience pain and, and, and his discipline. But he is saying there's still a door of hope for you. And for us, we know because, again, we get to look back into history, right? We're looking back into history. So we know that door of hope is Jesus. And that he does die in the valley of trouble for all of our idolatry. For the idols that we currently have, Jesus died for those idols. For the idols that we currently worship in this culture that we live in, he died for that. And through him, you have a door of hope. A hope that you will never, ever be abandoned and forsaken by God, even though you would do it to him. He's saying, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm going to remain faithful. I'm going to remain true. I'm going to be committed to you. Because if you know, do you know what, when God created the covenant with Abraham, that whole ceremony? Do, raise your hand if you, if you know what happens there. Because no one knows what happens there. Okay. 
Back in the back in the ancient Near East, they they would, when they make a covenant, they would they would cut a covenant. That's what they would call it. They would cut a covenant, and they would actually sacrifice, you know, kill animals, cut them into pieces, and they would make a line with these animals on the side. And those who entered the covenant would walk through that path together. And so what they're saying is that if I break covenant with you, may what happened to these idols, these animals happen to me. So they cut a covenant. So when God made his covenant with Abraham, he did this whole ceremony, but only Yahweh walked the path. Abraham fell asleep. Why is that? Because he knew he was the only one that could remain faithful to So God is saying, if I ever abandon my people, may I be cut to pieces like these animals. So you can't look at what's happening here and think that now that God, is he going back on his promise? Is he going back on what he, the promise he made to Abraham? No, he's not going back on his promise. It may feel that way at times, but he remains faithful and true even when we're not. So again, as we as Christians living today, again, we get the privilege of, of looking back into history and that uh, the nation of Israel did not have the privilege of. So we, get, we know how the story ends. We know Jesus is coming. And so you can read these Old Testament pro- prophecies and read all this stuff happening in the Old Testament with hope. Yeah, it's hard to hear. But we know that the Old Testament is just a foreshadow of Jesus. We know that. And so this table before you, it is a reminder that Jesus did not stop being your door of hope when he ascended into heaven. That door is still open. So he's, if you're not a Christian, it's open for the first time. If you're not a Christian, he's saying, come. And if you are a Christian, he's saying, I'll steal your hope. I'll steal your hope. There is no hope outside of me. And this table is a reminder of that. That yes, you will have troubles in this life. But as you have these troubles, Jesus is not far away from you. He's there with you. And if you are a believer, he invites you to come and partake of this meal. But there is a warning for believers. Like if you know you got some issues with a brother or sister that has not been resolved, he says, don't partake. Go be reconciled with your brother or sister and come back. Because even as Christians, we want to be able to take of the meal in a worthy manner, not an unworthy manner. And friends and neighbors, if you don't profess faith in Christ, again, thank you for being here. And if you have questions about what it means to be a believer, please see me or Rich or DeMarco after the service. And we will sit down and talk with you about the good news of the kingdom. Adults, we ask that the kids with you abstain from the elements until they have been invited to the table by the church that you are a member of. Now, TVC kids and youth, give Pastor Alex your attention. This meal, this table, is a reminder to each of you of how much Christ loves you. How much he loves you. He loves, not only does he love you, he likes you. And he wants you to come to him in saving faith. And so as your pastor, that's my prayer, that every kid that comes through this church will leave here as a believer and flourish and thrive in their faith, even in college and beyond. And so until then, watch and observe. And if you have questions about this meal, 
ask your mom and dad, or you can ask me. No, I'm your pastor too. So, so I'm not going to buy you. I'm your pastor. So my, your parents should have my number. They can text me if you're a question, and I'll do my best to answer you because I'm your pastor too. So before I bless the elements, uh, we're going to pass out the bread together, and then we'll take the juice together as well. And for those of you who prefer prepackaged meal, um, communion elements, just let the elders know, and you would this will come around with the bread. So uh, again, wait. We, we'll take all the elements together. So the bread first, and then the juice. So let us go to the Lord now in the word of prayer. Holy Spirit, we pray as we prepare for this meal. This is not something that was instituted by the village church or the Presbyterian Church in America. This is something that you instituted uh, at the last step of before you, you went into your suffering, your passion. And so you gave this meal to be a meal that gives spiritual nourishment to your people. And so something supernatural happens when we corporately take communion. So Holy Spirit, you know what we're dealing with. You know the heartache that some of us are dealing with, the pains and the sickness and the frustrations and the hurt something the unbelief. So I pray that when we take this meal, you will supernaturally give us the spiritual nourishment that we truly need. And I pray for this in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on a night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had broken it, he gave him thanks. And he said to his disciples, take this, do this in remembrance. stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation my stronghold.
TBC Saints, this is Christ's body broken for you. Eat of it, all of it. same manner, he also took the cup, and having given thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the one against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. sons and daughters of a good father. This is Christ's blood shed for all your sins, past, present, and future. Drink from it, all of it. Let's pray. As I, as I prayed in the beginning, Holy Spirit, I pray again, nourish us. Nourish the parts of our soul that need it. Nourish the part of our lives that need it. Nourish the part of our mental health that needs it. Nourish us, Lord, through this meal. Give us what we need. And I pray for all this in your wonderful name. Amen. Saints, please stand as we close our service.
Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God and helpless faith. These gifts of love and righteousness, stored by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Thanks. 